Welcome to the Balls and All podcast. Going deep into what matters most. And welcome to the Balls and All podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Will Cullen. Uh, we're going deep into what matters most. Um, today, we are going to be touching on all things NBA. And on our podcast today, on the call, we're on a Skype call today, on the podcast today, we've got Kane Pittman. Kane is Australian basketball writer, and he's currently living in Milwaukee, two weeks fresh. And he's working freelance, and he contributes to the Pick and Roll Australia, and he is covering all things Milwaukee books. Kane, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm... Uh... I'm, uh, I'm excited to talk about basketball, as always, and uh, I was glad that uh, you reached out to me. Great, mate. Thanks for that. So, t- obviously, we just talked offline about two weeks fresh. How do you go from Australia to Milwaukee and covering the books and obviously sitting last night watching the Greek Freak and Ben Simmons go back and forth on a triple-double? Tell me, how do how you get there? Yeah, it's it's been a... Um... It's been a bit of a blur, uh, the whole move so far, um, because it has been, yeah, I got here about a week before the season opener, so I'm still, I'm, I'm, I'm going to the games and I'm doing all that sort of stuff, but I'm still, you know, trying to find a place and I'm still in my suitcases over here and, and then, and then working at the same time. So it's all, it's been, um, it's been fun, but it's still, Sort of feels like it's. I, I don't think I've realised yet that it's. It's not just a holiday, and I've actually moved here. So, yeah, yeah it's, been, it's 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 yeah. I mean, it's been pretty crazy, but uh, at the same time, it's a lot of fun. So, what gave you the? I guess what gave you the kind of spark to say right time to go to the US and then Milwaukee as well. Yeah, it was probably. Um, it was it was probably close to a year in the making, maybe maybe a little bit less. Um, I was I've been writing for the for the pick and roll, um, which is just an Australian basketball website and, and covers all um, Australians from you know NBL, NBA, Euroleague, um, and it, I sort of uh, touched on it with uh, my editor at the time, Kyan. And and he sort of mentioned that this was a possibility to come over here and work on a uh, what they call a foreign uh, media visa. Um, so we was we sort of loosely discussed that at the start, and then it sort of started to uh, build a little bit of momentum. I came over uh, towards the end of last NBA season, and I was um, I covered a couple of games uh, on the West Coast, and then I, I managed to get to a couple of playoff games and do. Uh, the media sort of stuff, and it, it was a lot of fun. Um, I met some good people and, and enjoyed the work. Uh, so as the off-season started to progress, we, we discussed it more. Um, and I guess we just got to that point. It was it was around sort of the end, end of July, middle of August, and, and Kyan sort of said to me, well, you know, he left it in my hands, but he was like, if this is what you want to do, um, then probably now's the time to do it so you can get there for the start of the season. Uh so that was it, really. I I I, I um, packed my stuff, uh, handed in notice at my day job, and and then I, I was I flew over here. Like it happened super quick. Like within probably 
you know, six, seven weeks of making the decision I was over here. So it was, it was, it happened quickly once uh, I made the decision. It's, it's unbelievable to think, and again, we just talked about it offline. If we go back 10 years ago, eight years ago, nine years ago in Australia, really, the opportunity to go and work full-time in the US and cover the NBA, it would have probably been not even, it couldn't even formulate in your mind. And now, eight or nine years later, here you are. What, what's changed so much to get us from that point eight years ago to now, do you think? I think um, in terms of Australia, there's a couple of things. And, and one being, uh, I guess, the, the generation of Australian uh, players coming through and how many Australians are playing in the NBA now. Um, which obviously spikes interest all across the country. And then uh, naturally you get more coverage in the media and that sort of stuff. Um, but from my point of view, um, I, I think it's, I mean, it's definitely social media because uh, with all sports, but I, it feels like probably particularly with basketball, like that blogging scene and the ability to start perhaps by doing your own blog or contributing to a few different places um, improving your writing while you're still doing whatever your career is, if it's not already in in, in journalism, and then being able to build through there and, and and get support through that, and then you know push your way through to um, you know what I've been able to do, do media at games. Um, I think I think that's probably the biggest thing for me. Um, but even still, it's 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 obviously super competitive, and and I'm over here while I, I contribute to the pick and roll and I'm looking for freelance work, like I should point out that I'm not, you know, I'm not working full time or anything. Like I'm looking for a job. So that was basically what I did. I basically dropped my day job and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to give myself a season, come over here, try and, and, and try and get a job over here covering um, basketball. So um, certainly probably I'm fortunate enough to be in the position to do that. But uh yeah, I'd say for me personally, it was probably just that social media and being able to get an audience for your writing through through that. Yeah, again, I I I think growth the growth of it, you touch on social media and you know how it's totally just blown the NBA up all around the world, and it's probably something that we'll touch on later. But obviously, with all the Aussies playing in the NBA, but I just think the world that we probably live in now and the role that the nba athletes play on social media and then to your point the role that a lot of the media outlets or all the other media outlets have spawned from the nba there's so many blogs there's so many podcasts there's so many um you know tv shows or radio shows and morning shows that it just continues to grow and grow and grow here and you know again we talked offline my schedule uh, i might in the morning, first thing I'm doing is I'm checking you know, what the scores were, especially when it's trade deadline, what's happening, where it's going, I'm reading, but it's a pick and roll, I'm jumping on the Bleacher Report, I'm jumping on to the Ringer. I just think the appetite all around the world has increased for the game. It's, it's unbelievable. Do you think that the NBA are doing a better job than most sports to maximise these last couple of years in this kind of social media uh, kind of craze? By far, I mean, I, I they're incredible uh, in the way that they promote the game first of all, but the access that they allow people to have, and uh, even as far as and this is 
you know, come to you know the news a little bit recently that as much as you can you can you can get clips directly off the NBA website. So for instance, every single game that you watch, if you go to the NBA website, go to play by play for that particular game, you can get clips of every single play that happened in that game. You can download those clips and use them to to maybe write a story about or maybe to post on Twitter or whatever it may be and put a comment on. And that sort of level of engagement with the fans and media and whatever it may be allows people to grow and it allows people to get you know their foot in the door and there's no there's really no other league that allows that sort of stuff and and i think that's why the nba is 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 thriving at the moment and probably going from you know potentially the third or you know maybe the fourth best uh, biggest sport in america and it's just climbing because they are they they you know they just seem like they're in touch with uh, modern times, and 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 it's it's engaging people and involving people, and I think that's um, part of why they're going through such a period of success. And talk to me about your love for basketball, because obviously, um, by Max, and we, again, we talked offline about my love and, and how it's grown over the last couple of years. Where did yours begin? How did it start? What ignited all this? Yeah, well, it's funny because you you said that um, you know in Ireland there's it basketball's you know probably not a massive sport, and it certainly wasn't here um, when I really started to get into it. Um, it's 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 been recently it's taken off, but I I started watching, or I I, I remember the first game I ever saw was in the two thousand one playoffs, and it was uh, I just seen some highlights uh, on TV, and it was the the Bucks were playing. Uh, Charlotte in the playoffs and I remember watching Ray Allen uh, just shoot three after three and I sort of I, I, I don't know it was sort of he just like watching him play sort of hooked me to that um, and for that moment on I took an interest in Milwaukee uh, and then I, I followed them sort of through the next few years but you know back then we, we taught you know early 2000s the coverage wasn't great in Australia it was hard to really get any info um, so my real love probably took off a little later on, um, probably around the time that Boga got drafted because that was when I was like, okay, well, I've got, I've got enough money that I can buy. It was first an audio league pass. So I would listen to the games on the radio. And, and then a few years after that, I was, I, I got the, the traditional league pass and I started watching games. And then I guess from there, um, you know, once you start watching every single game and, and normally it was on replay, as you know, in Australia, um, but once you start watching every game, then you start to love the players and then start to love the team. And uh, I never really played basketball. I was always I always played Australian football. But um, I, I would just like, come home from school or come home from work and I would just watch basketball all night and it just grew from there. Yeah, it's strange because, again, never played it my whole entire life. And uh, I just don't know what it is that more and more people are just drawn into it. And I asked myself, is it the excitement? Is it that the way the game's developed, obviously, now, instead of going uh, outside in, going you know, inside out? Is it LeBron? Is it Steph? Is it social media? Is it that need that we're to a society, that kind of instant gratification? You're always getting scores. You're always getting buckets. It's high scoring. You know, the jerseys are cool. The, you know, the whole kind of entity surrounding the players. I 
I'm struggling to put my finger on it and why people who have never played it or never watched it. Again, you'll know in Australia, it could be on a lunch break during the city on a Friday and you'll get out to a pub in the city and the place is packed. All, yeah. to, all waiting to watch, like, you know, Ben or, you know, whoever it is on a Friday. And some of them have never played it, might not have ever played a sport in their entire life, but yet they're drawn to basketball. Yeah, it's... it's um... I mean, the last five years in particular, it has just been, it's insane. Like, I, I remember, and, and like I said, I, I didn't play a lot of basketball growing up because I was always playing footy. But even at the footy club at training or whatever, I would never, you know, f- for the whole time growing up, no one would ever talk about basketball or ask anything about that. And in the last five years, and I, I stopped playing, I, I, I told my ACL three times, and that was enough for me. I pulled the pin after that. But I, um, but I, uh, you know, I'd be at training or and and the whole the whole session or before the game, people have their phones out. They're watching the NBA. Um, they're talking about it during um, during training, and it, it it became really. I guess that probably even spiked, you know, my love for it even more because now it's not only am I I'm watching it myself, then everyone else is into it and everyone else is discussing it, and it, it's just become a huge thing. And I, I think part of it is the entertainment value, and and not only. Um, uh, you know what's on the court, but what's going on in the arena, what happens um, outside of that, with like the, the the you know the talk shows and the discussion shows and all that sort of stuff, um, the personalities on the court. I, I don't know. I, I think it's just the whole package, I guess. But um, the way it's sort of blown up is it's it's insane, really. So let's get into the finer details, and I need to. Talk about last night's game. Obviously, you were there. Bucks versus 76ers. Um, I read a stat this morning that Giannis is the first player since Wilt. Average 25 and 15 in the first four games of a season. Yeah, that's right. He is... Uh... That's just... It's just... Yeah. And then, obviously, Ben, ben got a triple-double. And at the same time... Correct me if I'm wrong, but the books they shot pretty poorly throughout the well for the first half of the game anyway. Yeah, they did. I mean, certainly, um, certainly in the first quarter, uh, it was it was an interesting start because uh, you know this game was in 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 the US and I uh, was an ESPN game, so it was um, you know it was it was a pretty heavily hyped up um, contest because I guess. Uh, or it feels like these two teams are building a little bit of a rivalry because, um, you know, the Sixers get a lot of attention and with Simmons and Embiid, and they, they, they get talked about a lot as a team that is one of the next teams coming up in the East. Are um, they overrated? I, I mean, I, I mean they are right now because, uh, you so know... If I, look, I, if I look past Ben and Embiid, don't get me wrong, uh, JJ's, you know, great three-point shooter, but... If you're relying, I've seen the minutes. He got he got 32 minutes last night. If you're relying on JJ to get 32 minutes, I just don't know if their strength and depth. Obviously, losing Ilyasova going to the books. I just don't know if outside of the two the two guys, and especially with Ben still trying to improve his you know his jump shot and his outside shooting. I don't know how good they are. No, I, I agree, and I, I was, I was worried. Well, I mean, I wasn't worried about it, obviously, but I was, I was th- wondering how, um, 
they were going to go this season because they won 50 games last year. Um, but the bulk of those games, they went on that absolute tear to end the season um, after they picked up both uh, Bell and Ali and Ilyasova. And a big reason for that was because um, having those extra shooters on the floor next to Ben Simmons turned them into, I mean, it turned their offense into, you know, a, a, I mean, they were dynamic because at any point in time, they would surround uh, Simmons, Simmons with shooters. And much like what the Bucks are doing this year with Giannis, uh, they were able to, um, they were able to uh, space the floor and give Simmons room to work. Uh, they lost both of those guys and they didn't really replace him with anyone. And, and, when, I, and when I look at the box score for last night, the guys that are coming off the bench, uh, I mean, they're not, you're not looking at the names like uh, TJ McConnell and, uh, um, you know, Mike Muscala and, and these sort of guys. Outside of Redick, it's, it's like they're not really, it's not striking you as a team that's, that's deep enough to contend right now. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they've got some work to do. I'm not sure. They, they probably look like they're missing a, a piece or two at the moment. And then if we go to the books, obviously Giannis is going to do what Giannis does. Giannis does. Um, you've got Malcolm Brogdon, who, you know, he was he six man? Was he rookie of the year two years ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brogdon got it uh, that year when Embiid only played uh, 32 games. So that was the bit of the controversy there. So obviously he's, in, I don't know, and you'll know more than me. We could touch on it. He's take, it looks like he's taking a bit of a slope. But you've got Eric Bledsoe there, who's a, you know, great point guard. And you've got Tony Snell. Uh, as you said, Ilya Solvas come in. gives them that shooting. Um, I want to talk about, and correct me, I'll correct my pronunciation, uh, Di Vincenzo. Obviously he yeah. came, through, he came through in the draft uh, this year, and obviously gained some notoriety in uh, college basketball last year. Um, from watching the game yesterday and seeing the highlights, his his defence and his hustle and his energy was you know, pretty impressive. Um, what, have you, what, what have you made of him so far in the first four games of the season? Yeah, I, I really like doing Chenzo. He, um, I mean, I, he, he's funny. Like he, he makes me laugh, you know, some of the things he's doing out there. Because like you said, he is just... I mean, he's nonstop and and he's jumping, you know, at everything and 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 sometimes he looks like he's completely out of control. But um, you know, him doing that is the reason why he's getting minutes at the moment. And I I don't think that really many people were sure where he was going to fit into the Bucks rotation, and they probably thought that a guy like Dalia was going to play ahead of him, or perhaps Sterling Brown is an, is another one. Um, but clearly. Uh, Mike Budenholzer, the Bucks coach, likes uh, Di Vincenzo for that. And and I asked him about why he feels so confident playing this guy, you know, such big minutes early in the season. And he said, uh, he said his work ethic and, and, and how hard he's striving to be good and do the right thing and play to the uh, strength of the team is why he feels confident that regardless of, you know, whether he's not, you know, uh, scoring points or whatever it is, then then he's confident that he will do other little things that, that um, will help the team. And he, he did a few little things like there was a couple of blocks. Um, yeah, he's happy to get on the floor. He, he just, he's sort of everywhere. The thing that worry about, worries me about that comment from uh, Budenholzer is 
it's probably something that we would have heard about Delavidova a few years ago. It's probably something that you would have heard that, you know, when he was at the Cavs, that, okay, he'll come in, he's going to fight, he's going to fight for a loose ball, he's going to provide us with energy, he's going to provide us with grit, he's going to knock down a three-point shot here and there. Um, but that brings us to Delhi. Where has he gone? What What's next for him? Obviously, he's got a he's got a pretty decent contract, which I would presume would be hard to do for his position. What what what, what do you see him featuring him? Kind of Mike's plans for the season? Uh, not right now, and and the reason for that. And you mentioned uh, about Di Vincenzo, uh, yeah, but perhaps um, comparing him a little bit to Daly. But but the difference between these two, and this is the reason why Daly won't get in the rotation right now, is because Di Vincenzo. He's more athletic. He's bigger. He's able to, you know, he's able to do more things. He's he's just more versatile on both ends of the floor um, than Daly, and that's why Delavidova is struggling to get into the lineup because he just doesn't bring enough to the table to give him minutes above these other guys. Um, but having said that, it's you know we're only four games into the season, and right now everything is clicking for the Bucks and. And they're going with a, a really tight nine nine man rotation, which is pretty rare. Um, straight straight out of the uh, out of the gates to start the season. Normally you'll mix and match a little bit, um, but yeah, you know, certainly at the moment there's nothing there's nothing going wrong with the Bucks rotation, and that's why he's not going to get a look in. And as long as you know things stay that way, he's probably. Um, going to stay stay on the bench uh, in terms of his contract yeah I, I, that, that that'll be a tough one to move he's, he's still got another two years uh, at a four, was it four years at 38 or four yeah four? yeah four years 38 so he, I mean he's still getting paid around nine million a year for another two seasons um, and remember he only played uh, 40 odd game or high 30s maybe 38 games last season um, with a heap of injuries so he's he's not really um, probably an attractive option uh, uh, right now. So I, I think he's probably going to be with the Bucks for the foreseeable future and, and, and just wait for his chance, I guess. So that brings us on to uh, Maker. What about Maker's role for the Bucks this year? Um, he, he was probably a little bit unlucky because, you know, coming off the playoff series last year, he... You know, turned he really turned um, that series in game three and four uh, with you know picking up he picked up ten blocks uh, across those two games and was a real game changer and again it was it was one of those moments where we've had a few times with Son where you saw the impact that he can have at the level um, but he he just hasn't had the consistent consistency to be able to do that on a regular basis. Um, the Bucks picked up Brook Lopez uh, in in free agency for for three million dollars, which was an absolute bargain for a starting level um, center. And and he will and, and start. By the, way, the, by the way, he was like, what about this, this three point shooting yesterday? Yeah, I <laughs> and, like, and he's to, like he's totally evolved his game. He reminds me of Lurch from the Adams family, and then yeah. because of his voice, that big deep voice, and then I think of his brother, obviously playing at Chicago. But then I think I read somewhere, uh, I think Mike, uh, Brett Brown was asked, how do you guard him? And he's like, well, if he's pulling up from 40, what can you do? Like, right. Then, then, uh, and that was it. And, 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 and he had, um, in the end, he, he got up, uh, I've got it here, uh, 
Yeah, he took 11 shots um, from three. He hit five of them. Um, he had all, all five of those, um, you know, in about a 12-minute span from the end of the first quarter through to midway through the second. He was just um, unstoppable. Um, and that, and that's what the Bucks are doing. And that's why I, I'm still, you know, optimistic on, on the thong getting some minutes because the backup at the moment, John Henson, uh, while he's trying to... Uh, develop his game and turn into a three-point um, shooter or a stretch five, as they as they call them these days. It's not something he's ever done, and before this season, he only hit one three-pointer. Um, so I still think that's the point of difference for Thon, where in time he will be able to get in there and 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 better and better suit the Bucks for what they're trying to do on offense. So um, you know, while Henson's there now, and Henson's a veteran, he's the longest. Uh, you know, serving Buck on the roster is, I think this is year seven for him now. Uh, he provides a little bit more um, consistency, I guess, in what you know you, you're going to get from him, whereas Stein is a little um, erratic still at this point. Um, I, I'm really, you know, intrigued to see how Maker fits into this um, all of a sudden, you know, explosive Bucks uh, offense. And uh, if we think of, like, Udarazi's playing around, like Joe Ingles has had an amazing start to the season, as has the Utah Jazz. And I just I, I loved the interview. I think it could have been last year when uh, Chuck was talking to Joe on TNT and just talking about his attitude when he was guarding, uh, was it Paul George in the playoffs? And yeah. obviously, you know, he guarded him so well. He was talking about the Aussie attitude and kind of the, the will to win. But he is knocking down shots left, right, and centre this season. Like, he's an integral part of that Jazz lineup. Who I, I listened the other day, they're building, I think when Gordon Hayward was talking about free agencies, I heard somebody say it could have been on the on the jump or something like that. They're building to, they feel that with, you know, Snyder as their coach and the players that they have, Gobert, Joe Ingles, obviously Donovan Mitchell, that they can compete with the Warriors in a year or two. It's great for Joe to be part of that. Like he's just playing amazing, isn't he? Well, he has, and it's it's the most incredible thing about it is that uh, yeah, he came to the NBA so late. Uh, he obviously had a had, had a really nice uh, stint overseas um, in Europe, and then uh, came to the NBA. Was cut by the Clippers before he even uh, you know before the season even became uh, began, and then he's come to Utah, and all of a sudden. Uh, he slowly, you know, built his way into it, and I guess, I mean, I guess he he built his confidence, got his opportunity, and now with the way the game is played, if you've got a guy like Ingles that de- can defend in multiple positions at the same time, uh, put the ball down a little bit, have the ability to, um, you know, handle the ball and shoot the three, and he's six foot eight. Uh, I mean, that's like that's that's the prototypical. Um, you know, player in, in today's game. So uh, he's not a <laughs> – and, and he jokes about that. And he's so funny. Like, every time you hear him talk, you know, you, you see why, you know, he's he's much loved uh, in Utah, but all across the NBA. Um, well, except Paul George. Right, well, well, Paul George. I mean, anyone that's playing on him doesn't like him because, uh, you know, he just smothers, smothers him on, on defense. But and you, you said it. I mean, he's getting up seven and a half – uh, threes a game. He's he's hitting fifty percent of those. He's uh, averaging seventeen points a game, which you know his his career high before that is eleven. So, yeah, you know, at age thirty one, he is still getting better. 
And speaking of another Aussie hitting big shots, Paddy Mills hitting that game winner in overtime against the Lakers uh, the other day. It was an ex- extremely smooth uh, inbound possession. You hear Paddy say they ran it like multiple times. You know, went to Aldridge, set the screen, then, you know, bread and butter for Paddy hitting that jump shot. But obviously with the injuries that the Spurs have had now from the point guard position at the start of the season, you'd like to think that Paddy's going to get more minutes. And, like, Pop loves him. Like, he, 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 he's a massive contributor to that team. Is it a big season for Paddy, you reckon, this year? Well, I, I think... Um... He should play a key role in the rotation, which he has for the past few years anyway. I guess I was probably a little bit surprised that um, he wasn't put into the starting lineup when they did have a few injuries and, and DeJounte Murray, uh, obviously with the ACL. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but they're going with uh, Bryn Forbes at the moment. I, and that, that sort of surprised me. But you know, at the same time, I, I don't think it really matters with Pop or the Spurs because... Uh, Mills is still getting 27 minutes a game at the moment, um, and and I think that I mean he's just so comfortable there. He's been in San Antonio for a long, long time now, and as you see, he might not start the game, but like we seen the other night in overtime, he finished the game, and they drew the play up for him to get the shot. So um, he's a guy that you know that that Popovich trusts and is is more than comfortable with putting the ball in his hands at the end of the game, and I think more than anything that that matters more than actually starting. Um, yeah, being on the floor when the game starts. So uh, stats-wise, I mean, he's pretty he he he's pretty solid. Mills, you know what you're going to get. He'll probably he'll probably get your ten points a night. Um, he'll get up quite a few threes, and he's not quite uh, hitting them at the moment. Uh, he's only hitting twenty eight percent, but he's a near on forty percent three point shooter. So that's going to improve. Um, but the Spurs are just a machine. It's like it's hard to really look at the Spurs. I never really look at anyone on the Spurs and look at their stats. Um, because as a team, like they 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 they're just a well-oiled machine. Yeah, and it's uh, uh, it's probably something on I should have touched on earlier, but we can touch on it later. Do we see much of that Spurs pop mentality coming through with Mike into the books? But we can touch on that later. Um, and what about Aaron Baines? Obviously, a big year for the Celtics. A lot of pressure on the Celtics court. There, they should be. They've got. You know, they're ex- not their excuse. It was a legitimate excuse last year when they played the Cavs in the Eastern Conference. But they obviously pushed the Cavs quite closely. When we say the Cavs, LeBron and a few other guys. But it, they pushed the Cavs quite closely last year without Hayward and without Kyrie. Obviously, Jason Tatum stepped up. And to me, he's the best player and the most important player on the Celtics this year. But... You know they've got Hayward back now. They've got they've got Kyrie getting fit and getting into rhythm, and Aaron Baines there as well. Which is with Greg Monroe gone, I don't know who they got in to replace Monroe if anybody. But he's obviously one of the only legitimate centers that Brad Stevens has now on that team. How do you see this season going for him? Yeah, I think that he last year was a massive year for Baines um, playing on. You know, despite you know the injuries that the uh, that the Celtics had, he was still such a such a vital player for them, and I think we've seen that during the playoffs, um, particularly defensively. Um, so I actually thought, and I, I still think, um, you know, at some point we're going to see that um, Brad Stevens is going to put uh, Aaron Baines uh, back into the starting lineup because um, 
he when he's in there, he just does so many things for them and and allows uh, Al Horford to play the four, which is he's better suited to uh, to playing um, defensively. He he's dominant. Uh, he's so physical uh, and he, and he's smart. He's just a smart defender. He knows where to be. He's a good voice on the floor for the other guys. Um, of course, that means that someone, uh, one of the Celtics uh, four uh, stars, is probably going to come off the bench and and. Uh, um, yeah, if I had to guess, I'd probably say Jalen Brown is probably yeah, going to be the probably, guy. Yeah, that's that's probably who I would bring off the bench. Um, but I, I I I think it was sort of confirmed in the first game we seen against the uh, against Philadelphia. Baines was a legitimate uh, game changer for the Celtics, uh, uh, particularly on Embiid. Um, and I and and Stevens just loves him, so I think he'll probably end up starting. But the Celtics have started off a little bit slow, but. Uh, they've got so many pieces that they're trying to welcome back. They're trying to get Hayward back healthy, and he's still on a minute restriction. So I sort of expected that they'd start slow while I figure th- things out. But uh, top to bottom, they've still got the, d- the deepest roster in, in the East and, and maybe even the NBA oh, uh, up there with the Warriors. Um, I think it would be rude to talk all things NBA and not mention LeBron and obviously the... The, uh, the the enormity of attention that he gets wherever he goes and whatever he does. So obviously it's, you know, people call it Showtime Lakers is back. And they've got that, um, they've had a, a difficult start to the season. They've obviously played three teams that have, you know, high efficiency on offense. They've played Portland, they've played uh, San Antonio, and they've played, who was the other team they played? Obviously uh, Phoenix last night. Yeah, they beat Phoenix. I know that. I missed that one, but... Um... Yeah, so they've had a pretty difficult start to the season. What do you what what do you think their kind of trajectory is or their ceiling? Given obviously we've seen LeBron in the last couple of years take you know anybody really you know on his back and bring them to the Eastern Conference Finals, and we obviously know that the East is a lot weaker. But it's it's he's got a, a they call it a mismatch or a mishmash of roster players there with Stevenson McGee. Uh, Beasley, Rondo, <laughs> um, and then you obviously you go into the young guys, and you got Coos, you got Lonzo. At times, to me, I watched a game yesterday, and it, they've they obviously their pace per possession is one of the highest in the league already. I don't know how that's going, how long that's going to last with LeBron's age, but they seem like an interesting team. They see they've got nice pieces. Obviously, they lack that three point shooting. Last night, they knocked a few down a few shots. What do you see the kind of storylines for them? Do we see potentially Kyle Culver get moved over to add more three-point shooting? Do we see a star coming in before the trade deadline? Or do we see this kind of being one of those years where LeBron just gets to know his teammates? Yeah, well, I think the last point, uh, while I don't think that LeBron or the Lakers, I don't think that that's what they really would want. I think it was I think it was uh, key that LeBron signed uh you know, for multiple years in LA, because that's not something he was done in the past, even with Cleveland. In the recent past, he he, he was he was sort of uh, doing a one plus one deal every year, and then and then re-signing. Um, so, you know, I guess it's it's sort of a catch twenty two because you could say, well, the Lakers have time; they know that you know LeBron's going to be there uh, next season. But by the same token, he, he's not getting any younger. Uh, the game is getting faster, and yeah, you know, I probably 
heading into the season, I wasn't as hot and and you know, I mean, you do this at your own risk, but I wasn't as high on the Lakers as some because I I don't see in the West that LeBron's been going to be able to, uh, you know, cruise through. I guess the way that he has in the past in the East. And I thought last year was a stretch uh, with that Cleveland team um, who really just weren't good. And LeBron, you know, arguably had one of his more incredible uh, regular seasons um, carrying that squad uh, to, to the finals. I mean, it's, it was just ridiculous because almost every time I watched that, that Cavs team, uh, I mean, they were a mess, um, particularly defensively. So, uh, I, I sort and of they, I, and, they, and they haven't got much better this year. <laughs> no, well, I mean that's for sure. Um, but yeah, you, I mean you said it. These guys that they've put together with LeBron, it's such a weird sort of grouping. Um, they definitely lack three-point shooting, which I think is going to hurt them because uh, they're going to need to score um, in transition, and they're going to really. I think they're going to really have to play at a really high pace. And I'm not sure over the course of 82 games how that um, – I'm not sure how LeBron gets through that at this point, and particularly because he's going to be, have to be carrying load as, you know, as he, as he normally does. Um, so, yeah, they definitely need a piece. I'm not sure they're going to be in the position to, um, you know, make a major trade during the season, but I guess uh, that's going to depend on where they're at, uh, what their record is around the – the trade deadline, uh, but the West is tough. You know, I could definitely see the Lakers making the playoffs, but it's going to be one of the lower seeds for mine, maybe seven or eight. I, I, I'm not sure they can break up into that top six. Yeah, and a surprise package for me. Well, I don't think it's a surprise package to, for me or for anybody, but they've carried on from their expectations from last year at the Denver Nuggets. I just think they're so enjoyable to watch. They're such a fun team to watch. Obviously, the Joker is. Poor defensively, but ridiculously ridiculous offensively. Um, I, I, do you see them challenging? The, the obviously they beat the Warriors the other day, game three, no big deal. But do you see them challenging in the West? Uh, I find it hard. So here's the thing with the West for me. I I, I find it hard when I talk about teams um, challenging or contending in the West. I I think. When I say, oh, I think they can challenge, I think uh, where I'm coming from is I think they can challenge to get to the Western Conference Finals. So in other words, I think they can challenge to get beaten by the Warriors. Um, and But, you know, they've got a lot of, uh, you know, they've got a lot of uh, young young talent outside of, obviously, Jokic is unbelievable. Um, but, you know, they've got Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, uh they they got some um, really young, exciting, athletic, uh, quick guys out on the floor. And then the veteran, Paul Millsap, who you know, many people forgot about because he, he missed a lot of games last year with injury. He slotted back in. Um, he, he provides the you know, probably the veteran presence, presence that they don't have um, elsewhere. He's tough. He defends. Um, they've, they've got a pretty uh, complete lineup, the Nuggets. And I can definitely – I mean, I think they're a 50-win team. Um, which is going to put them in contention for home court in the playoffs? Yeah, I think I think they're going to be fun to watch, and I think it's going to be. Uh, I think yeah, again, the Warriors. Once I read, I think I heard somewhere, uh, Boogie Boogie's already going to be participating in in you know, a five on five scrimmages. So 
if uh, if he comes back earlier than expected, and obviously it's yeah, you know, it's game over pretty much anyway. But if he comes back earlier than expected, it's uh, it is that point that when you say challenge, who can who can kind of push uh, the Warriors? But going on to challenges for the Warriors, and again, we'd be rude not to talk about it. Spitgate. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's been really interesting because. Um, we obviously know that Rondo's such an agitator and at times can be a difficult teammate. Uh, we've heard rumblings of CP3 being the same. Um, he, he obviously, he's a nice guy and, you know, off the court because he you know, seems to have a lot of friends and him and LeBron and they've got the Banana Boat crew and all of his other friends. But that was how that played out. And, you know, did he spit? Did he not spit? He's got a mouth guard. And then Rondo basically just tearing down CP3 saying it's a terrible teammate. Glenn Baby Davis then coming out saying, yes, CP3 is a terrible teammate. I seen Chris Broussard came out and said he spoke to a Clippers executive who said Paul is a terrible teammate. Like, in a way, that was old school 90s NBA. And I kind of enjoyed it. I remember watching, I was watching the game and I was like, oh my God, here we go. This is all going to kick off. This is brilliant. Um. What have you made of it all? And over there, has it uh, has it died down? Is it over now since the suspensions has been handed out? Yeah, I think people have, have moved on now. But I, 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 I was really oh well. Actually, I should say that was, everyone will be looking forward to the next time uh, the Lakers and, and and the Rockets play. First of all, uh, which I think is in I think that is in December the next matchup. But um, I was at the game. I was at the Bucks game. I, I think it might have been. Uh, bucks and paces, but anyway, I, I I left the arena, um, came home, put on the TV, and when I seen that, it was it was weird because I was I'm like, oh, this is pretty good, you know, fight by NBA standards. They're, they're throwing some punches. This is not bad. And then I saw, oh, it's it's Rondo and CP3, and I kind of I sort of just nodded and I was like, yeah, I can see that. Um, I I don't I don't think the fact that them two got in a fight surprised anyone. Um, they're both guys that seem to be on the court. I would say they're not. I wouldn't say they're well liked. Um, so not, for them, not to well be, liked, well, probably res- well, not well liked, but respected. Yeah, I think that's a fair call. I mean, they're both. Yeah, but or particularly uh, Chris Paul's had an unbelievable career. I mean, he's going to be a Hall of Famer, but. Um, and but they're also it has to be said like they're, they're two of the most competitive guys out there. They're two veterans, so you know they're from it. You know that that era that was still you know crossing paths was playing with you know guys like Kobe Bryant, um, you know Paul Pierce, where that competitive level was on another level now that you don't see. Like they're not out on the floor trying to be friends, um, yeah, you know, and hugging guys and high fiving. You know they're from a different they're from a different school, so. Um, that stuff was, you know, common, I guess, back in the day. But probably the big thing for me was Brandon Ingram. I was that was that was the one that really got me. I, I couldn't believe, uh, you know, he's he's coming in from the back throwing a haymaker. I was, um, yeah, I couldn't believe that. Yeah. Do you do you uh, do you do you listen to or follow Stephen Jackson? Who used to play for the Warriors. Oh, I I I don't I don't think I follow him. I, I mean, I watch the jump a fair bit, so he's on there a fair bit and. Yeah, I guess anytime uh, he's got something to say, you normally, you know, pick up on it. But yeah, I didn't, I... He, he had an interesting perspective. He, I think he put a few comments up basically saying, 
highlighting that Harden stood there and watched. Yeah. And, you know, didn't get in and, you know, help his teammates. And, uh, you know, basically advocated and kind of supported that Ingram, like, no matter what. Obviously, he was part of that big, you know, the brawl in Detroit yeah. and what happened there. So he, he obviously endorses what Ingram went, done and went in and done. And then I read a, one of the former Lakers, I don't know who it was, but somebody said, you know, don't sleep on Ingram. Like, you might think he's sweet, but he's definitely got this in his locker. So it's going to be interesting to see what this kind of spit gate and the whole kind of ruckus does for the Lakers, especially given LeBron's relationship with CP3, Rondo coming out, kind of totally just destroying CP3's character. And then, you know, them coming back into training camp and or them coming back into training and basically saying, well, did you have my back or do you have his back? Do you see, do you see that causing any issues for him? Well, it's, I'm not sure how, because I, I don't think LeBron is the type of person that's going to get caught up in, in that sort of stuff. And, uh, I, you know, I don't, if it, maybe it was any other player, I think it could be an issue, but I don't think that will be. But um, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was interesting. And that was one of the first things I noticed, and I guess everyone else, was that, you know, you got all this stuff, you got legitimate punches being thrown, you've got Ingram coming in over the back. And LeBron is walking off with his arm around Chris Paul, and it's like, well, you know, what about the guy on your team that's in the fight? Are you are you interested in seeing if he's okay? Like Chris Paul's got his own teammates; he doesn't need you walking walking him off with your arm around him. Like you're friends, that's fine, but you're on a different team right now. And it was, uh, I I don't know, I I didn't, I mean, I don't know if it's such a big deal, but it's sort of. I was sort of uncomfortable seeing that. I, I feel like if if LeBron was on my team or if a player's on my team in that situation, I want to see him getting around his teammates. I don't want to see him walking off, you know, making sure the yeah, other guys. Friendship, okay. friendships, friendships can, you know, they, as they say, they left they left off the court and they can be rekindled or reignited when they when they step yeah. off the court. But supporting right. your teammates on the court is most important. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's just a few other interesting things that have happened. Obviously, I don't like to talk about them because I don't really like them, and I don't know why, and I don't know if you feel the same. I don't like the Warriors. I don't know why. I know they're entertaining. I know they've collected all these, you know, the Monstars, all that type of stuff. I know they're entertaining. I know they're brilliant. I know they're amazing. I don't know whether I think they're smug. I just I don't like Steph's little jiggle when he scores. Um, Maybe I'm just bored of them win. I don't know what it is, but obviously he had an absolute ridiculous night last night. Yeah, I I mean just Do you feel just, the same about the Warriors or do you actually do you like them? Uh well there's there's a couple of um elements to that for me. First of all, I, I enjoyed watching the highlights last night of Steph because I, I mean when he turns one on, it is just it's just the most ridiculous thing uh, you know, you've ever seen. I mean, the way he was pulling up last night from all angles, and it didn't matter what the Wizards do. He's just going to shoot from further back, and he just wasn't going to miss, and you knew that. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, so I can watch highlights, and I can enjoy that and appreciate that for sure. Um, but I don't get that much enjoyment out of watching the Warriors um, on a nightly basis, mostly because there's no, there's no real drama in the result. So when you put the game on for mine, you already know what's going to happen. And I guess 
for me, that takes away some of why I'm watching the game. Um, and, I, and, you know, I appreciate that some people disagree with that and they say, well, watching Steph Curry is the experience in the self or Kevin Durant because individually they're great to watch. But if I have the choice between watching the Warriors play some other team in the regular, some other, you know, not elite team in the regular season versus any other game, I'm probably watching the other game because it's probably going to be more interesting to me uh, not knowing what could happen and, and seeing how the game develops rather than watching and going, okay, well, the Warriors are up by 20 points in the third quarter. Game's over. Steph Curry's going to sit out the last quarter. That's just, I guess that's, um, I guess that's not that interesting to me, but, uh, uh, you know, I suppose that's that shows how great they really are. And the other talking point, we kind of touched on it recently. I just read this morning that Cleveland Cavaliers tickets for against the Nets were reselling for $2. Well, I mean... That is, is the LeBron, that is the LeBron effect. Yeah, and they're just not good. So, I, I think... And why did uh, they give Kevin Love so much money? Well... The Kevin Love one was interesting, and I think that it was part of. I think it was the Cavs. I think it was a mix between them trying to stay relevant and believing and, and believing themselves. Yeah, well, yeah, I think they probably hoped that that that, that would be enough to get him a, a lower playoff seed. Um, and and everyone would say, well, they should have just bought him out and get a top pick, which they're going to get anyway. But now they've got Kevin Love. Um, because, you know, they are a small market and that has been hidden by the fact they've got LeBron and every game's a sellout and they get all these national TV games. But Cleveland's a small market. So for a franchise like that, um, at times, they can probably make the business decision where, well, we're going to go for a lower playoff seed. And that's not, you know, the fans don't like that. And I know, you know, being a Milwaukee fan, they, they did that for a long period. And I was like, okay, well, we're picking up these guys, we're signing these contracts and our, our ceiling is no greater than losing in the first round or, or finishing the eighth seed. So it's frustrating for the fans. It's probably not the, the best decision um, signing Kevin Love, you know, for now or the future. Um, but I can see that's probably what they were trying to do. But, you know, when you start 0-4, people lose interest quickly. And, you know, I can see it being a pretty ugly year out in Cleveland particularly. Um, you know, when these people have been probably putting a lot of money on the table to go see LeBron for a few years now. Yeah, it's and and Carver, I don't know, has Carver been DNP for a lot of games? Has he even got minutes? Because he's, I know he's not injured, but I yeah, don't think I don't think he's even played, has he? No, I'm not sure if he's if he's played minimal minutes, but I know he's not, you know, really in the rotation because uh, I was reading a story uh, yesterday that said that the Cavs told Carver. And J.R. Smith, that 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 you know we're going to go young, and we're going to play the young players and see, you know what happens. But, but you, um, can't move, you can't move J.R.'s contract. Well, I, I think they'll. I think really they're going to have trouble moving either. I I, I you because know, Corva signed, yeah, you know, a deal over twenty mil um, just last year as well. So he's getting paid around seven million, I think. I, I so. Um, yeah, I mean, they really went in all in on some guys. Tristan Thompson was another one during the LeBron era. They went all in on some guys that, you know, with some questionable um, contracts. So, Thanks, Clutch Sports. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. It's, you know, you know that LeBron 
and and the Lakers are going to go through an interesting thing as well. Luckily, they've got the security that he's going to stay there. But yeah, the Cavs are in it. They're, they're in a they're in a bad spot. But you know, you'd have to say they're going to get a pretty good draft pick again. They've had quite a few number ones, but and they're going to have to rebuild again. But you know, they're not going to once you go through all that success with a guy like LeBron. Uh, you know, it's going to be it's going to, you're up for some rough times. So let's talk. Uh, let's talk quickly through predictions. Predictions for the East and any key storylines. What are they? Well, I thought uh, heading into the season, the the big thing uh, I thought uh, Boston um, for sure were the team uh, to beat in the East, and the, the team I had second was Toronto. And I was the only thing I was wondering about was Kawhi Leonard. And I was, you know, I'm like, if this guy comes back and he is Kawhi Leonard that we know. Which um, he is. Which he well and truly is. He is on an absolute tear to start the season. Uh, then Toronto is going to be good because uh, number one seed last year. And, and they've up, they've gone from DeMar DeRozan, who's fine. Like he's, a, he's an all-star. He's a fine player. But they've got, they've got a legit top five player. And Danny Green. Um, you know, an actual three-point shooter. Yeah, and a lot of people glossed over that. They're talking about DeRozan. They're talking about uh, Kawhi Leonard, and no one thinks about Danny Green. I mean, they, they, they really had a great offseason, the Raptors. And, and now I'm like, well, you know, they're, they're sort of on par uh, for me with the Celtics. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Kawhi was the, the one thing I was really, really interested with. Um, the other one was Budenholzer with the Bucks. I wanted to see what difference it would make to remove Jason Kidd, bring in Budenholzer, an actual NBA coach, and a guy that's actually going to coach these guys. And I think early on we've seen the difference there as well. So the East is interesting. Um, I've got, yeah, I've got Boston and Toronto at the top. Uh, I've got Milwaukee uh, probably third uh, with Philadelphia's around the mark, but they need to make a few additions. And then Indiana's probably, probably the fifth team I'm interested in. Uh, West, obviously, forget about first. We got, let's go two down and any any of those areas. What, who do you? What's the storylines are? What's their uh, kind of? What do you foresee over the next couple of months there? Well, I think um, I think shit loads of, of subtweets from LeBron. Shit loads of you know passive aggressive pictures. Or uh, I'm interested to see the fallout with the Lakers with LeBron. If things you know don't start to work out, because they've got some personalities on their roster, that things could get really interesting. Um, another team I'm interested in is the Thunder because you know they re-signed Paul George. They just weren't that good last year with those two. Everyone wants to know, and everyone talks about Westbrook. They're like, well, you know, he can keep getting triple doubles every single night, but does that contribute to winning basketball? They've started off 0 and three. Uh, I'm just I'm really curious to see whether they can become uh, the team that uh, you know they think they should be because remember a lot of people last year put Kamala Anthony as the scapegoat um, he's gone uh, 0-3 is not the best start uh, they probably need to start picking it up sooner or later and the other one's Anthony Davis I mean what this a guy, freak I mean this guy is just insane and it's funny that you, to- you spoke about DeMarcus Cousins earlier with the Warriors, but Cousins leaving the Pelicans 
may be the best thing for Anthony Davis because uh, they've got Nikola uh, Miritich in there now who has just been shooting the lights yeah. since he played next to uh, Davis. He's been insane. Um, they're a good team. If I go through the West and I'm just like, you've got, like, it's so difficult. You've got the Nuggets offensively unbelievable. You've got the Pelicans, again, as you said, they're 3-0 and Anthony Davis is an MVP level already. You got the Trailblazers, an extremely good backcourt, obviously, with Lillard and CJ McCollum. Uh, Grizzly nuts on which the Spurs will do what the Spurs do. Mavericks, so interesting. I think they've built the roster up a lot better now this year with Luka Doncic. Um, they've got, I think they've got a much better roster. They've obviously added DeAndre Jordan for a bit of rim protection. Clippers, uh, I don't know. Tobias Harris seems to be playing out of a scheme, but I just don't know how far they can get. The Kings, obviously, disgraceful as always. The Timberwolves, <laughs> The Timberwolves is going to be really interesting. Obviously, they've got Jimmy Butler going crazy there and falling out with Wiggins and Fortnite, Carl Anthony Towns, and you know, saying he wants to be traded. And Thibodeau is basically drafting everyone from the Bulls from 2010 to 2011. <laughs> the Bucks played him, obviously, next. What's your thoughts on a Jimmy Butler situation and the kind of season for the Timberwolves? Because like the their expectations are high. Well, they should be high when if you can if you put in uh, you know two all stars, uh, Butler and Cat together. But I mean they don't get along. They don't like each other. Um, Is it because Cat doesn't take it seriously? He plays too much Fortnite. Well. I mean, I think there was. I mean, there was multiple rumors going on within that team, and uh, I think, I mean, Towns is just not happy. I don't know if you've seen last night. Um, yeah, he played terrible. He was he was passive. He he didn't look interested. Uh, at one point, you know, the game's close. They're playing the Raptors. Um, they're playing them, you know, pretty well. They're staying in the game. Uh, Towns uh, airballed a three, and then just pointed to the bench and said, "Take me out of the game." I mean, he is. This is a guy that you know was a routine twenty and ten uh, guy last season, a dominant player, um, and he is just—he's on another planet right now. And, and he's, uh, do you reckon the hundred mint, not hundred ninety million dollar contract has anything to do with that? Uh, I don't. I mean, uh, look for a twenty-two-year-old to get a hundred ninety million dollar contract extension, knowing that he is guaranteed that money no matter what. This is probably a separate topic for another podcast, but for a 22-year-old to gain that, where we know he's got potential, but he hasn't really shown it yet, and then for him to get that money, and then to, as you said, air it, you know, a, a three-pointer, asked to be taken out, I don't pay 190 million for that. No, and that's and that pressure is only going to continue to build if he doesn't deliver on what uh, people have come to expect. Another aspect with the Tim Bulls that is just you cannot ignore is Thibodeau coaching that squad. Uh, I mean, this guy just grinds people down. And, you know, maybe he's the type of coach you wanted in the mid 2000s, probably the late 90s even. But yeah, I not don't this game away. It's just different. And this guy, Towns, doesn't seem from the outside. He doesn't seem like a guy that wants to be ridden every single practice and every single day. Uh, and I, I don't think that 
you know, I don't think Thibodeau is doing this team any favours. I think Butler needs to go because I, I, it's just not going to... Like, Thibodeau can talk about trying to get these guys to play together, and that's fine. And Jimmy Butler looks fine. But that doesn't surprise me that he's fine. But it's the effect that it's having on the other guys around him. Um, as long as Butler and Thibodeau are there, I, I cannot see this Timberwolves team having a good year. I mean, there's just too much going on. The only thing, the only thing that I will, I do like watching from the uh, Wolves. Well, two things. I just seen a leak the other day of the City Edition jersey that's going to be coming out this year. It's paying, it's paying homage to Prince and Purple Rain. That looks amazing. Secondly, it's good to see D Rose back playing good basketball. Yeah, that's probably yeah. The Derek Rose thing is funny because yeah, he's had a really, he's had a tough time. He won the MVP early. Uh, there was a lot of you know, criticism about that MVP as well and whether he really should have got it. And um, So he's been through a lot. And yeah, he's one of those guys that you either you, yeah, you either love him and you're a full-blown Derek Rose stan or uh, you, know, you, you think he's no good. Uh, I don't think Derek Rose is really a guy that's going to um, contribute positively to a winning team. I think if you're playing in big minutes at this point, then your team's probably not that good. But Yeah, that's a fair point. But I agree that he is it's good to see him healthy. It's good to see him playing and getting those little flashes of what made him so so special. Um, you know, when he did win the MVP. So to wrap things up, talk to me about your all time five. Positionless basketball, we're at the era running now, so don't worry about positions. But it's obviously that interesting debate. What would what who would you put in your starting five if you had to pick a team right now? So when you when I seen this, uh, you mentioned you were going to ask me this. I went now. The big thing is that I wanted to pick guys that I've watched play, and yeah, you know, I, I, in terms of an all time starting five over the last fifty years. Obviously, this wouldn't be it, but I wanted, uh, yeah, like I said, I wanted to pick guys that have played um, in my era and and guys that I think translate to not only the modern game, but with the you know the athleticism, the versatility they have would be just an insane lineup. Um, and a lot of them are current players. I've got I've got Steph um, at point guard because uh, you know and and. <laughs> Because the big thing is, whether you like him or not, this guy's the best shooter to ever play the game. And yeah, yeah, yeah I know. In terms of what you're trying to do on the floor, he changes everything. The second guy is Ray Allen. He is the guy that started, um, got me started watching basketball. And, Jesus, and Shuttleworth. Right, exactly. He got game, and you and you look at you imagine pairing Steph and Ray Allen together. How what's that going to do to the opposition? I mean, they're going to have no chance. LeBron. Giannis and then Anthony Davis because there's three guys that uh, can do it all. And when you combine them with the two probably greatest shooters to ever play the game, in terms of a modern all-time starting five, and, and I know that that's going to be way off what most people would say, but in terms of when I've been watching, I don't think you could put together a starting five like that that would fit in today's game and that could be beaten better than those guys. What do you, who have you got? Uh Mine's a bit weird because, like, for, I'd have Jason Williams in my team. <laughs> uh, 
Just because I just I like he was just ridiculous passer. I just really enjoyed <laughs> watching him. I thought he was unbelievable. Mine's a little bit probably more on the border of nostalgia and nostalgia meaning that just watching rewatching tapes and games, not that I've looked, watched it back then, but obviously LeBron he's a shoe in. I put LeBron in there. I'm gonna have to put in Clay Thompson. Reason why I pick Clay over Steph is because I just and this is just my opinion. Clay comes across a lot more humble. He's bigger. He takes on the the harder defensive duties when they're playing against you know teams. So he doesn't mind guarding. He's always more physical. And again, he's a knockdown shooter. And I think just because Steph is allowed that free reign and that offense, and he, do, he doesn't have those defensive responsibilities that Clay does. I think Clay kind of falls into the shadows a little bit. So I'm going to, um, I just don't like Steph. So I'm picking Clay in there with Jason Williams, LeBron. I'm going to have to go, yeah, probably with Anthony Davis as well, because I just, I don't think there's any words to describe him. Like he can shoot from three. He's so big. He's like, his blocks per game are absolutely ridiculous. Um, he seems like a really nice guy as well. And then I'm kind of hung up on, and then on my last pick, yeah, I'm not too sure who I'd go with my last pick. I'd, I'm tossing up between D-Wade and Dirk. Um, D-Wade, I just think that, again, he's had such an unbelievable career, and that MVP one, he was, a, uh, that first ring he won, I beg your pardon, in Miami was unbelievable. And Dirk, because... He's just a legend of the game. That shot is so iconic. 21 seasons now. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's hard for me. I toss and torn. Sometimes I want to put in Vince Carter. Um, sometimes I think of, you know, Kawhi's, uh, not Kawhi's, Kyrie's game-winning shot. And, you know, if he hadn't had those injuries with his knees at Cleveland, and even now you just wonder how good he, he still can be great, but how could he, how good he could have been or could be now. Um but yeah, for me, it's that entertainment value. It's I do I pick Magic over LeBron? I pick LeBron because of his his physicality and his all-round game. Um, again, KD, I potentially put KD in there. I just think he's too petty and he's too much of a. He's, I just think he's too sensitive. And maybe maybe that's the persona he wants to portray. I don't know, but like having the having those kind of uh, the accounts, you know, his other accounts and. Then, like, you, you heard about Bill Simmons, you know, with the blog boys, and he takes everything to heart, and he comments back on everyone. I, that's why I just always, when I'm thinking of that one and two race, I always put LeBron up there as one, because how he's able to manage everything that goes on in the world with social media, with criticism, no matter how well. Like, again, you touched on it on the MVP race with Derek Rose. Like, LeBron, how many MVP should he have won in the last couple of years? Uh, two, two, maybe two or three. Yeah, I mean, he could have won. It, I mean, he could have. You could make an argument uh, for any year, really, and and you know, uh, particularly last year, I think there was a strong argument in terms of if you're talking about most valuable player. I mean, where would that have team been without him? Yeah, again, it's a, that's definitely another podcast, that whole MVP. But 
Yeah, to me, I just think, uh, and it's funny because when I was in, we mentioned again, when I was in the throwback store a few months ago at the event for Ben was here, they had Jason Williams jersey hanging up, white chocolate. And, you know, I almost bought it. I got the Vince Carter Raptors, the white one instead. Um, so, you know, that'll be ready for when the sun comes out here. But, yeah, it's a... Uh, Look, it's going to be a really interesting league this season. I'm looking forward to watching the Lakers and the Nuggets there uh, there on today. I'm looking forward to watching um, the Bucks and the Wolves play tomorrow, I think, our time. But, Kane, look, I really enjoyed the chat. Um, hopefully, we're going to chat more on NBA. We've probably just gone on this big, massive tangent. And, you know, I think it's been really enjoyable for me personally to be able to chat about basketball and really get in depth. And... It's going to be great to chat to you throughout the year and touch base about what's happening with not only the books, but, you know, what's going on in the NBA, how that's kind of filtering into the NBL and just watching basketball grow. So love to, you know, chat more as the season goes on. And for anybody listening, I'm just going to get up. Uh, Kane, can you know your uh, own Twitter handle? What's your Twitter handle again? Uh, it's just uh, at MKA Box Oz. So, uh, yeah, it's mostly, um, I mean, it's all basketball, that's for sure. Um, a lot of box stuff, uh, particularly, um, you know, having access to the games and, and practice and that sort of stuff. But, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of basketball stuff, and I'm always up, as you know from today, I'm always up for talking basketball. So, uh, yeah, anyone can feel free to hit me up there. Yeah, and make sure to jump on the pick and roll as well and, you know, have a look at all things, you know, basketball from, you know, Australian writers and all the Australian guys there talking about the NBL and the NBA. So, look, really appreciate your time today, Kane. Uh, hopefully we'll chat more and best of luck to the books against the Wolves. Yeah, perfect, mate. Anytime, anytime. I'm happy to talk. That was, this was really fun. <laughs>